1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. I have been asked by the pastor to do a message that I do sometimes. He had heard about it. I call it Speak to Your Mountain. I don't know whether it's a message or not. I tell you about, has any of you ever heard my dad speak or preach? You ever heard him talk about saying it and believing it and saying it? Well, a lot of people think that uh, it was always easy. I'm going to take speaking to your mountain because that was one of his scriptures. And I'm going to tell you a little bit of our life. And so let's start out with Mark 11. And it says, Now when they had drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two disciples. They went and got a, a donkey and he rode into the city of Jerusalem and on it. And they were singing Hosanna to the highest. And in, then verse 11, and it says, And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So they look, looked around at all the things. The hour was already late and he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now as far as they can ascertain and what I've read and what I studied, uh, Jesus never spent the night inside the city of Jerusalem. He always went out to Mary and Martha and Lazarus's house at, Be at, at Bethany, which uh, actually come out through the eastern gate down through the valley of Kidron up across the edge of the Mount of Olives and down to Bethany, which was probably two, two and a half, three miles, depending on which chronological you, deal you want to go with. And so, so uh, it says now, the next day, when they had come out of Bethany, he was hungry, seeing, seeing from afar a fig tree having leaves, he went to see if perhaps he would find something on it. When he came in and found nothing but leaves, it was for one not season of figs. His response was, let no one eat fruit of you ever again, as the disciples heard it. So they went on in Jerusalem, and so now they, when the evening had come, verse 19, they went out of the city. Now, on verse 20, now in the morning as they passed by, they were going back into Jerusalem. Now, this is the next day. They saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, and Peter remembered and said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. And so then Jesus said, or answered, and said to them, have faith in God. Literal translation, have the God kind of faith, or have the kind of faith God has. For surely I say to you, whoever says this mountain be removed, be cast to shall not doubt in his heart, believe those things which he says he will be done, he will have whatever he says. I want you to notice 
The word say is in there three times. Believe is in there one time. Now it says, says to a mountain. Well, according to Strong's, that mountain is refer figuratively referring to things that we come in contact with, problems, difficulties, hardships, so forth and so on, because I don't think there's any of us that's going to need to move a mountain out of the way. Now, he was standing on the Mount of Olives. That's what he was talking about. And when he's talking about the sea, he was talking about the Sea of Galilee down there several miles. Now, you, everybody has mountains. When I'm talking about mountains, I'm talking about financial difficulties, problems, families, all kinds of stuff, okay? And he had, Jesus gave us the formula or the way to deal with the mountains in our life. Believe in your heart and speak with your mouth. Now I'm going to take a few minutes and take you back a few years. Could I have that chair, Austin? I'll move this back and I'll sit here in the front. I just want to sit down and talk to you for a bit. Put it right there. Thank you. Now this is very scriptural. It says Jesus sat down and talked to people. <laughs> I was born September 3rd, 1939. My dad was pastor of Farmersville Church, Assembly of God Church. After that, he pastored Talco, Gregton, and Van. That's the only churches he ever pastored. In the middle of my third grade year, which would have been the starting the 48-49 school year, so it would have been January of 49, he left Van, Texas, and went out on the field and never pastored again because the Lord told him not to. And we moved from the parsonage from a good church, from people bringing us food, and you know, because some other people had they had chickens and hogs and stuff and milk, and then we were living there in the middle of the oil field at that time, and the, the tithes and offerings was good, and we were we were doing good, and we moved into a place that wasn't as big as this platform, called Bird Motel. Gladewater, Texas, and the reason we moved over there is because Bird Motel was here, and First Assembly was here, and Mama Papa Goodwin lived right behind First Assembly, and they had been, I'd known them all my life, and they had been Mom and Dad's mentors in the ministry. Dad did Papa's funeral, and I had the privilege of doing Mom, Mama Goodwin's funeral when they went on to be at the Lord. They were very good friends of the Hagen family. And that little, it was a motel. <laughs> I don't know what you call it. It wouldn't, you wouldn't call it a suite, I guess, but it wasn't a suite. I mean, it wasn't much. You walk in the door, there's a bedroom here, a couch here, 
And it wasn't one of them high to bed couches. Some of you people, not very many of you are old enough to remember the kind that you lift up and it clicks and then the back falls down. Anybody old enough remember those kind? Yeah, a few of you. They're not very comfortable either. <laughs> and they're not very wide. And then there was a little table and about a half wall and then a U-shaped kitchen, a bathroom, and that was it. Mama had the bedroom. My sis and my cousin sister that had come to live with us when she was 16, Ruth, and lived with us till she got married. It was my dad's, my dad's sister, my, my aunt, is her oldest daughter. And uh, her and I, out of the 10 cousins that was, that was born in about a 20-year period, uh, I think... Me and her, we're the oldest now, my sister and Terry. There's about four of us left. And uh, she's, what, six years, seven years older than me, I guess. I guess she's 89, I'm 82. I just talked to her on the phone the other day. She still lives over in Garland. And uh, so that's where we were. Now, they got the couch, sis and Ruth. Mom had the, the bed. I had, how bad will travel? I had a rollaway bed. Now, if you hadn't seen a rollaway bed, it, it, it folds up and it's got a base on it and you got four legs. Anybody ever had a rollaway bed? They're really comfortable, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> now, that rollaway bed barely fit in that U shape. So I would. Let that side down and then let the back side down and I could crawl in from the back back this way because I had my head up here. And that was it. And dad's out there on the road preaching faith and healing. And you see, although although he was preaching faith and talking about faith, uh, it wasn't very popular. In fact, he got criticized for it. And I'm going to tell you, man, we, we, we were barely making it. I mean, if you've heard him talk about, he talked about that he was, you probably heard him talk about that he just went at the bottom of the barrel, he was under the barrel, the barrel was on top of him financially. Well, that's the way it was. Then we moved that summer to Garland and, uh, Thanks to the Lord for Brother and Sister Wood, who was mom and dad's really good friends. They were about the same age. And he pastored First Assembly there in Garland. And he had brought some, bought some these old uh, houses that had a porch, went halfway around it, and had two doors. And they just shut down, boarded up the doors, and they had three rooms on each side and made a sort of an apartments out of it. And so this was bigger, at least it had a living room and a bedroom and a nice kitchen and a bathroom and a screened-in back porch. Well, yours truly still had his how bed will travel, put it on a screened-in back porch whenever it was warm enough and in the kitchen whenever it wasn't. And, of course, being in the kitchen, I had to be the first one up and get out of the way so, the, so that Mom could get cook breakfast and get us ready for school. 
Now that's we that's we started the school there. That started then my fourth grade. And man, y'all y'all see the Hagans now, and you see a lot of people, even even like your pastors. We didn't get here without trusting and believing God. We use faith. We the biblical principles. But I, I, he'd asked me to do this because he'd heard about it, and so I'm, I'm doing it. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're eating pinto beans and navy beans and cornbread, and sometimes we didn't even have any milk to make cornbread. We made, uh, Mama called it hot water cornbread. She'd take the meal and put the hot water in it and, and roll it up and put it in the grease and deep fry it. And that's basically, and we had some bologna sometimes, and that's basically what we'd eat, except on Sunday. Oh, I love Sunday. Not because of church, but because, <laughs> but because on Sunday, I knew that we're going to get roast and potatoes and carrots and gravy. And sometimes we would get some rolls. You could buy the, those packages of the rolls, you know. Boy, I was, I was glad for when Sunday came. But that was it. And so it's, you know, I'm, I'm nine years old, fourth grade. And uh, it, I, then, we, then we went fifth grade, sixth grade. We moved to another house. It was a little bigger, but it was still one of the half houses and we did have a living room and a kitchen, a little dining room and a bedroom and then another screened in back porch and our bathroom was here and their bathroom was there from the other side. So in the middle of the night, if they come to their bathroom, I mean, my bed's out there. And by that time, I'm in the seventh grade and I'm getting tired of this mess. <laughs> I can't go nowhere. I can't be involved in any activities because we don't have no money. See, everybody thinks that, that they see us now. You didn't see us back then. When he talked about being under the barrel, and you've heard him say that, Pastor Gene, we is under the barrel. Uh, you, you heard, people have heard him preach, you heard his, I'm telling you, my side. I was living it. <laughs> about that time, I mean, I'm seventh grade, and I'm starting to get pretty, hey, I'm tired of this mess. I mean, I don't mean it wrong, but hey, when you're, when you're a teenager and you can't go to any activity because you don't have any money to buy tickets, you don't have any money to go, guys want you to, hey, let, let, hey, we're having a party. Come on, go. I can't go. And so I'm starting to really get some attitudes. And I rode my bike home from school because we was on Walnut Street and the school's over here in Avenue D, junior high school. I was a junior high. And so that's back when seventh, eighth, and ninth grade was called junior high school. Anybody go to school back then when it's called junior high school? <laughs> They've changed all that. And I rode in and I saw the car there. Yeah, we had... We had had 
started junky cars <laughs> until Brother Wood got him a new Oldsmobile and and Dad got his 49 Oldsmobile and Dad drove that until he was able to get a new car. Had over way over 100,000 miles on it. But anyway, I, I went in. I said, what are you doing home? I said, you ain't supposed to be home. You're in a meeting. My, back then, he would... He would close a meeting out on a Sunday night and drive and start another start another meeting on a Wednesday night. Sometimes he would drive and come and spend maybe spend one night with us. Sometimes he would just if he's way out somewhere and he was going way if he's way out in West Texas and he's going back way down to South Texas. He would drive all night and get in, and he may stay there for a day and then drive down to his meeting. During those years, we got to see him the whole week of Christmas. And then you take all the other times and put them all together. Now, in the summer, we traveled with him. I never got to play Little League ball or nothing because... And I, I loved I loved sports, and I played intramural basketball at Rama until I was 64 years old. And I was probably I was probably 20, 25 years older than anybody, but I still scored 13 points and got five rebounds. <laughs> and I tell my grandsons that were playing all the time, I said, I don't care how high you can jump, rebounding is not a high you can jump; it's position. Get the right position, you get the rebound. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> So you put it all together, we might see him another week, maybe a week and a half, except for during that summertime. We did get to go travel with him. So during those nine months, we, we would, if you want to put it all together, the most we would see him would be, you put all the days together, it'd be two and a half weeks. And he said, well, they wanted to close the meeting out early, and this meeting's not going to start till." Uh, next Sunday and I, I, want, I got a few days and so he, I said well I got homework to get and everything and he said that's fine go do your homework I said I, I got something that I need to talk to y'all about well by this time Ruth was married so it's just me and sis and, and mom and dad and we ate supper and that's back when you called it breakfast, dinner, and supper for you young people that don't know the difference. <laughs> How many know what I'm talking about? <laughs> See, some of you. <laughs> and so he said, now listen. He said, financially, I've, I've been upset because I, can't, I haven't been able to provide for the family and I was praying and I was telling God, hey, this, I, I'm tired of this. And you told me to go out on the field and, and so forth and so on. And so he said, the Lord began to talk to him and ask him, how did you get healed? He said, well, Mark 11, 23. And None. Of, we had no problem getting healed. I get sick. Sisters get sick. We just called Dad and he'd pray, and that's it. We had no problem getting healed. And he said, "If you're going to get out financially, you got to do it the same way." 
you got to believe and say it. So he said, this week when we go to this meeting, we're going to say it. We're going to say it right now, right here. And every time you think about it, you're going to say it. We're going to get certain X amount of dollars in the offering this week. And he said, now after this, wherever I'm at, I'll tell your mother and she'll tell you the time of day. If you're at school, wherever you're at, you just say it. You don't have to say it loud. You just say it under your breath if you're in a class. And back in those days, they just passed the, like they passed the, they had offering plates and they just dump it in the, in the evangelist's uh, briefcase. Whatever come in is what you get. If you got $100 for the whole week, you're lucky. And so we start, we were believing God for $125. And he wouldn't tell the pastors what he's believing God for because they'd fall out. He, one pastor was a real good friend of his, and he, fi he finally bugged him enough, and he told him about it. One night after church, they were eating at the parsonage, and the guy actually fell out of, the t out of his chair. said, my Lord, brother, in this church ain't ever give a van that's over $75 for the week. <laughs> but, so we started, we started saying that. Now, it didn't happen overnight, but we kept saying it. We kept saying it. We kept saying it. We kept saying it. We believe in what we say. Now, you can say it if you don't really believe what you're saying. Forget it. you got to really believe it. And we kept saying it, and we kept saying it, and we kept saying it. And not the, the first few weeks, it didn't happen. And the devil would say, you know, and he told us, he said, no, the, we, the devil going to tell you it's not going to happen, but you got to keep saying it anyway. So Mr. Devil, no. So we kept saying it. And then I, I remember the first week that we got, we was believing for $150, which was unheard of. And we got it. And then things began to pick up. Hey, yeah. I... I could, I began to be able to go and do some stuff. Mom started going to a beauty shop and get her hair done. And the lady where she was going to get her hair done, uh, it was in a house and it had, and she had it in the front room here. And so we, uh, I remember Dad had come home. We were eating and and supper and and she, Mama said, you know, Ruth and Ruth's going to move her beauty shop out into that strip shopping center, and uh, and they're going to rent that house out. And Dad said, how much they want for it? And so Mother told him. And so now we're believing, we're saying for what we need for the week to live on. Now we start saying what we Dad said. We're going to rent that house. We start saying it. And I'm going to tell you what, I'm, I've, been, I've been eating beans and cornbread, and, all, and it was really nice when we finally, back there, we started to get a little money that we did have uh, something else besides the beans and cornbread. And uh, so we moved into that house, 
And uh, I, just as I went in the eighth grade, and I don't know if they got a picture of it. You got a picture of it? There it is, right there. 400 South 3rd, Garland, Texas. <clears throat> now, if you look to the left there, you'll see that there's a door. And if you look to the, that's, that's not exactly right, but just to the, it's, it's sort of like this. But that's a door just to the left. You're looking at it, to the left, that's a door. It looks like a window, but that's a door. And that was my bedroom right there. I got a bedroom. I'm in the eighth grade. <laughs> the first time, the first time that I've had a bedroom in my life. Well, we lived in the, in the parsonage. Mom and sis had a, I mean, sis and Ruth had the bedroom, mom and dad had the bedroom, and I had a half bed over in the corner of sort of a study living room deal. And that's, but I'm in the eighth grade. I get a, I got a bedroom, man, kind. And I didn't have nothing but that rollaway bed I put in there. But I can tell you one thing, mom never had to tell me to keep that room clean. If you don't have something and you get it, you're proud of it. I was proud of that bedroom. I was proud of that bedroom. But we got, we, we, now we, we come from that little old bird motel apartment. We come from those two other apartments and we finally got a house. Now I'm talking about from the middle of my third grade year to eighth grade. And it, those were tough, tough days financially for us. Back, back in those days, I would get five pair of jeans, five shirts, five pair of underwear, five pair of socks, a new, a new pair of boots up, in, uh, up until the sixth grade. My grandpa bought me a new pair of boots every, every September. After that, then mom and bought me a pair of shoes, and, and that was my school clothes. When I come home from school, I had to change and put on my last year's clothes, and uh, of course they're little, and I'm outgrowing them. But you don't—that's all. You, all you got those other five, five pair of jeans, five shirts to go to school with. So, but that was tough days. So now we get the house. Man, I'm so excited! I got my own bedroom, and so I didn't have a bedroom suit. And so I said, Dad, listen, we're doing pretty good now. I mean, we're doing good. We, can can y'all not get me a bedroom suit? He says, Son, it's all it's it's everything's taken. And I said, He said, You know how to get it, don't you? I said, Yep. So I prayed. And I said, Lord, I thank you for a bedroom suit. And I just started saying it. And if you remember that picture, there was a window right there by the driveway and Chunky Mooney, my, my buddy next door, we went to school together, his, his bedroom. And I, I remember we would talk to one another and I told him, Chunk, I'm gonna get a bedroom suit. Cause he knew I just had that rollaway bed. Anybody listened to me at that time, I'm gonna get a bedroom suit. I kept saying, I'd tell anybody, I'd say it, I'm getting a bedroom suit. I'd, think, I'd, say, I'd say, thank you Lord for my bedroom suit. One of them. And so, I don't know, <clears throat> some time went by, didn't happen immediately, we went up to Sherman to my mom's brother's house when he'd come back from the war there in 45, World War II. His wife had left him and he'd come and stayed with us for a while. And then he'd finally remarried. And we went up there and 
we went up there for a visit, and Aunt Flora said, hey, Kenneth Wayne, listen, Charles, and that was her son, he was, he had just graduated from high school and joined the Air Force, he made a career out of it. Said he, he's left, said he wasn't coming back home. Listen, there's a twin beds in there, there it's hand-carved solid oak, there's two beds, they can either be bunks or twin, and there's a dresser and a mirror. If you want it, you can have it. I said, I want it. <laughs> you, you never seen a kid so proud of anything in your life, but I got it by saying it. And it didn't happen overnight. What I want you to realize that you, when you start saying it, you're going to have to believe it and you're going to have to keep saying it because the devil going to put everything he can in your way to try to get you to quit. If you quit, that's it. And so there we were. Man, I was so proud of that, that. And I still have it. It's in storage <laughs> there in Raymond. In fact, my own son used it from the time he was three years old till he got in eighth grade. <laughs> he, he used that. It's, it's hand-carved solid oak. I mean, the drawers, the bottom of the drawer and the sides of the drawer are real wood. They're not that... That stuff. I mean, it's you know, it's heavy. It's hand carved, and I'm so proud of that. And now, I remember he came home. He came home one one night, and during the night, got in during the night. Next day, I came home from school, and he said, "Come on, son, let's go to up here to Highlands Grocery," and they had a butch, uh, you know, meat market back then. And he went back there, and he had the guy. He said he he, he had the guy cut. Four T-bone steaks. Now, I, I, this is sometime later on in my eighth grade year. I never had a steak in my life. But he had been to some pastor's house, and they'd had steak, and he broiled it in the, in the oven. We didn't have the charcoalers back then. And that was, that was the first time I ever had steak in my life. I was in the, already just about out of the eighth grade. And we, I mean, we, things started coming up. Thank God. I mean, man. <laughs> but what I want you to get to, what I want you to get across is, you you look and you see some of the ministers today and some of the people today. You think they didn't get there overnight. Pastor didn't get there overnight. I didn't get it. Dad didn't get here. So then <clears throat> we wanted to buy that house. So we started saying it. In fact, Dad and I walked around the property, and we said, we said, Lord, we won't buy this house. We thank you right now. We say we're getting the down payment. Down payment, we, had, we talked to the people, and the down payment was going to be $1,000. So we started saying it. So we started saying it. I don't, know, I don't know how many months it was. We said it several months. He came home from a meeting one night, one night, during the night, he got in during the night, and I got, is it Friday night, and I got up, and I was mowing the yard, I think. Anyway, I came in, I think, to get a drink of water, and he said, son, go get my briefcase out of the car. And so I went out there and got his briefcase, said, open it up. And so he opened it up, I opened it up, and he said, see that envelope? Take, and I, take it, take what's in it out. And I took him out, and I looked at it, I knew it was U.S. currency. It was 100, but I'd never seen anything bigger than a 20 in my life. <laughs> and he said, count them. I counted out 10 $100 bills. There's, there's our down payment right there. 
and we bought that house. I, I lived in that house until I, I left to go in the army in 62. And, but we got it by saying it, by saying it. I'll tell one more thing, but because it's getting late. There, when he'd driven that old 49 Oldsmobile till the wheels were falling off of it, it was, it was a junk pile. I, know, I don't mean it's wrong. It was, for you older people down there in Texas, you know what a hoopy is. <laughs> How many of you know what a hoopy is? It's a junk pile of a car. Well, that's what it was. And so he was preaching over in Fort Worth, Brother O.B. Bronze Church. And so I knew he'd come home on Friday night because he, 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 he when he, Back there when he was doing church service meetings, he wouldn't preach on Sunday morning. He said the pastor should preach on Sunday morning. He'd preach on Sunday night. So I knew he'd come home and be at home Saturday and go back Sunday afternoon and be ready to preach. And so I got up and went outside for something. And when I went outside, man, there was a brand new 53, 98, Oldsmobile sitting in the driveway. And I said, oh, that old car must have broke down and somebody loaned him a car. You know, that was my thought. Well, you know, and I went back in the house and he, he had got up and I said, who loaned you their car? He said, no, it's my car. And then it, it dawned on me that he had been telling me and I had no, he'd been saying, I'm gonna get a new car. He had been saying it for a long time. He had been saying, I'm going to get a new car. I'm going to get a new car. Well, that was 1953, 98 Oldsmobile. That was his first new car of his life. And after that, if he wanted a new car, he always had one. But he got it by saying it. He didn't tell us to help him say it. He said it just like he didn't help me. He didn't help me get my bedroom suit. He told me, you know how to get it. You see, I don't know how many times I'd say to him, Dad, what about this? He said, son, you know what the word says. You know what to do. You heard me preach. So I know what to do. I knew what to do. But the secret that I want you to get a hold of is saying and believing and realizing I don't care where you are. If you'll believe what God's word says and say, say it, and then there's other things you got to come in line with God's word by giving and, and giving of your time, your talent, and so forth and so on. But you, you can't just say it and not do the other things the Word of God tells you to say. There's a lot of things the Word says to say, but you got to, you got to, anybody getting anything out of this? I want you to know I didn't get where I'm at just because I'm his son, or he didn't get where he's at just because he's somebody special. He got to where he's at because he took the same principles that he got off the bed of affliction with. He said it. And he got it. You've got to learn to say it. And I want to read Mark 11, 23 in the Johnson paraphrase. 
Truly anyone who speaks to that mountain yonder saying, dump yourself in the lake and does not become separated from the statement he makes, that person will actualize his statement. Now I left out a lot of things that I usually put in there. One of the things I left out, and I want to go back and pick up on it because it's very important. I, sometimes when I start telling, I forget something. We were in, after, after my ninth grade year, things had gotten good and he had gotten, uh, he wanted us to travel with him and we took, we took what they would call homeschool. We took, it's called correspondence school back then. And my, my sis and I, we traveled all over the state of California with him in meeting mom and dad and me and sis. And uh, we pulled into El Monte, California in 19, probably, we was out there, probably 56. And uh, mama cooked the last meal we had in that trailer. It's a 43-foot Spartan house trailer. They built them in Spartan in Tulsa, Oklahoma, it's all aluminum. And uh, we sat down and we ate and we prayed and we thanked God for food, for groceries. Well, I knew, I said, huh? hey, I'm 16 years old. <laughs> and uh, I know dad, dad, and so we prayed. We said, thank you, Lord, and we said it. And I said, well, that's Saturday night. I said, well, we'll go to church in the morning. The pastor and them, they'll take us out. They did. We had a meal. But then Dad preached Sunday night, and I thought they might take us out, but they didn't. <laughs> I'm 16. <laughs> so <laughs> we went to, back to the trailer, and we just said, Lord, we thank you for giving us groceries. And dad told, uh, told me and my sister, he said, don't you tell anybody. Don't you say anything. Don't you act like you're hungry. He said, you just keep saying, this is, you know how we, what we believe and you know what we do. So we kept saying it. Next morning, we sat out at the breakfast table and we said it, sat around the table and we said it. Then he went off to teach his class and, and then he, uh, Pat, Pat, sis, and I, we started studying, and usually mom would cook something to eat, and we'd eat, and then he'd help us with with tests or whatever that he had to do for our schooling. But we just sat down, and we, we sat at the table, hold hands. We say it, Lord, we're getting food. And by that time, I'm saying it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and... And so we did that that night, and now we did it Wednesday morning. So Wednesday afternoon, by that time, I am really hungry. And uh, I was doing, it's, I was fasting, but it was a forced fast. <laughs> Dad said he wasn't intending on fasting, but uh, he was forced to <laughs> on that particular time. But uh, so... I'm sitting there reading a history book and he had gone back and laid down because that's what he usually did in the afternoon after he helped us and get his, he would meditate and pray and get ready for his night service. And I heard, I heard a vehicle and I looked out the window and there was a pickup. And the back of that pickup was loaded. And I'm talking about the 
paper, paper sacks, not them little plastic things. I mean, you can get a lot of stuff in, in one of them big paper sacks from the grocery store. Anybody remember those? And it was full. I went, I went, I said, I went back in the knocker and I said, Dad, Dad, a pickup just stopped out there and the back of it's full of grocery sacks. So he got up and the guy knocked on the door and he said, and this one I want to get a hold of because I want to teach you something here. He said, Brother Hagin, I know you don't need it, but the Lord been dealing with me since Saturday night that you needed groceries, but I know you don't need any. But it got so bad today, I couldn't stand it. So here, here's a whole truckload of groceries. <laughs> and my dad said, my dad didn't say anything. He just said, well, thank you, brother. Praise the Lord. Thank you. But what I wanted to, to point, another point I want to get across, if the Lord tells you to do something, don't say, well, they don't need it. Hey, you don't know. You react, do it, you know, do what God says. But just saying it, we said it. <laughs> For three days we said it. <laughs> hey, I've been there, done that. Okay? Now, maybe I shouldn't tell this, but I preached yesterday morning in Tulsa, and I did not feel like preaching at all. In fact, they prayed for me in the room. I preached here last night. That's what you do if you... And I went back to the hotel, and she t I had 101 fever. Now, I don't have COVID. I ain't got none of that. It, it, <laughs> And we just, we just were saying it. I'd been saying it all day. And then we, we, Nett and I together said it, that that fever's gone, that my body's well and whole, hell, healthy and whole. And I laid down and, about a, and I dropped off to sleep. And about an hour or so later, she came in there and my fever was gone. And I'm, I rested and... And I'm fine. But we said it. I started saying it yesterday morning because when I got up. See, I'm not telling you something that I don't do. Not that I don't live. See, you got to say to the mountain of dead. You got to speak to the mountain of rejection. You got to speak to the mountain of sickness. You got to speak to the mountain of family trouble. You got to speak to the mountain of unemployment. You got to speak to the mountain. Whatever your mountain is, you got to speak to it. And you just don't say it to be saying it. You say it because you believe it, and the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you from getting it, but you got to keep believing and speaking, believing and speaking. You never face your mountain with your mouth closed. you got, you got to become a motor mouth. Everybody understand what I'm talking about? The younger generation may not understand that, but the rest of the generation does. They used to call somebody, talked all the time, called them a motor mouth. Anybody remember that? <laughs> I want to close with this. In the early 20th century, a man by the name of Mallory led an expedition of climbers to conquer Mount Everest, 29,028 feet above sea level. And it failed. He tried a second time and it failed. The third time he put together the best mountain climbers he could find 
and it ended in disaster with an avalanche killing Maori and most of the party. But later, at a banquet, as they were giving tribute to Maori and those that had lost their life on that mountain, and of course, honoring the surviving memory members, the leader of the group arose from his chair at the banquet table and turned around and spoke to the mountain. And he said, Mount Everest, you beat us once, you beat us twice, you beat us three times. But Mount Everest, you will be conquered. And it was. He said it. He said it. Tonight, I want you to think of one mountain that you want to speak to. Now, I realize some of you got a mountain range, but don't. We're going to talk one mountain. <laughs> one mountain. I want you to think about that. What you want to, what, what mountain you want to speak to. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer in a minute. When I get to the point that says, mountain of, you're going to have to put in whatever it is. Now, don't whisper. Speak loud. Well, I don't want nobody to hear. Hey, who cares? You want that mountain removed. And then just speak to that mountain. Okay, you ready? How many are ready to speak to a mountain? How many of you are ready to speak to a mountain? Stand up right now. How many of you got a hold of what I was talking about tonight? I think sometimes people get a hold of something better when, you, when they get an illustrated story. And so I guess that's what I did tonight. You ready for your mountain? All right. Let's just say it together. Heavenly Father, raise your hand. I thank you for your word. Your word says that if I speak to the mountain, it has to go. I must believe it in my heart and say it with my mouth. Now, I believe in my heart and I'm saying with my mouth. Now, mountain of, now you put it in, whatever it is. You speak to that mountain. You tell that mountain what to do. You tell that mountain in the name of Jesus. I say, I say in line with the word of God. I say in line with God's word. Mountain, you've got to go in the name of Jesus. Say, I say it. I say it. I say it. I say it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, one of our Raymond grads, he's in heaven now. He was, used to travel and sing with Dad a lot. Brother Clinton Utterbach, he set out that piano and started playing and singing. It was good. I, I liked Brother Clinton singing. He wrote a little chorus. We're going to sing it right now. Y'all ready? Let's sing. So I say to the mountain, move.
First time we ever went to California, pulling that trailer, just got out of the ninth grade. That dad picked us up at this Garland Junior High, me and my sis, we got in the car and we headed that direction. And we'd never been there. And was going out across there. Now you gotta remember, this is, this is 54. And we didn't have all the freeways they got now. You had old Highway 66. But they were starting to build. And we had to stop a couple of times because they were blowing up a mountain. And here's what they would do. They would drill into that mountain, set charges, and they would blow off, and they'd blow off part of the mountain. Come in with the front end loader and pick it up, get it out of the way, drill charges blow off another section until they blow through the mountain. That's what you do every time you say it. You're knocking off a piece of that mountain. Every time you say it, you're blowing off a piece of that mountain. Can you see what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us, and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again, and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.